0: This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docu-series Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu.
1: This message comes from NPR sponsor Osea. Meet their body care breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum for 24 hours of hydration. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com.
2: Support for this podcast comes from the Neubauer Family Foundation, supporting WHYY's Fresh Air and its commitment to sharing ideas and encouraging meaningful conversation. This is Fresh Air. I'm Terry Gross. Our guest, Sarah Bareilles, is nominated for a Tony for Best Performance by a Lead Actress in a Musical – for her performance in the Broadway revival of the 1987 Sondheim musical Into the Woods. She played the baker's wife. The revival's cast recording won a Grammy earlier this year. Sarah Bareilles spoke with fresh airs Anne-Marie Baldonado. As a singer-songwriter, Sarah Bareilles has sold millions of
3: records and has had hits like Love Song from 2007 and the pop anthem Brave from 2013. She's won Grammys and toured the world many times over, but her career continues to take interesting and inspired turns. About 10 years ago, she wrote the Songs for Waitress, a musical adaptation of the independent film. She went on to star as the lead in that show, making her Broadway debut in 2017. In 2021, she starred in her first TV show, the comedy Girls 5 Eva*, about a one-hit wonder pop girl group from the 1990s trying to get it back together for a second chance. Then last year, she starred in an Encores production of Into the Woods as The Baker's Wife. Encore shows are stripped-down productions that only last a few weeks, but the production was so well-received, it went to Broadway and has now received six Tony nominations, including the one for Sarah Bareilles the cash recording won the Grammy for Best Musical Theater Album earlier this year The musical Into the Woods weaves together the stories of different fairy tales Cinderella Jack and the Beanstalk and Little Red Riding Hood to name a few Sarah Bareilles plays the baker's wife who's trying to reverse the curse put on her marriage by the witch which is preventing the baker and his wife from having a baby. The show is about the wishes and choices we make and asks if things are really better when our wishes come true. Let's hear an excerpt of the song from the second half of Into the Woods. The baker's wife, played by Sarah Bareilles, now supposedly happy with a baby, has a chance meeting and an intimate encounter with the prince. Here, she sings about what she's done.
4: Oh, if life were made of Life were only moments, then you'd never know you had one. First a witch, then a child, then a prince, then a moment who could live in the woods. And to get what you wish, only just for a moment, these are dangerous walls.
3: Borellis, welcome to Fresh Air. Thank you so much. It's a thrill to be here. You have said that maybe all Sondheim, but this show in particular is is challenging to sing. Can you describe what you mean by that?
5: Yes, the freaking intervals are insane. <laughs> it's like pointillism in vocal performance. It's 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 all over the place and it's short Phrases and, um, and really dense lyrics that have a lot of information. So it's um, you really have to be on your words. Um, for me, it was trying to find a balance between sort of like the pop styling of how I normally sing and something that leans a little more legit and a little more musical theater, just to make sure that clarity was really at the forefront. It was really important to me to make sure that like every word of this really incredible score was super crystal clear.
3: You mentioned that you were trying to make sure like that you're singing in a more musical theater way versus a more the way you usually sing or more pop way. Can
5: you talk a little bit more about that difference? One of the things, one of the major things would be rhythmically staying a little more um, precise about rhythm. I think with pop, you tend to lay back. Um, I'm trying to think of a place to sing in in the score that would make sense for this. So just a moment, one peculiar passing moment like I might take time with that but I think for for the purposes of musical theater the urgency of that phrase requires you to be just a moment one peculiar passing moment like I think the more forward leaning more rhythmic on your words um I think that actually serves the song better now you're a singer songwriter
3: how is performing songs that you wrote, your songs as yourself, different from performing songs as a character? Like how is doing a song during concert different from doing a song as a baker's wife as far as the acting part of it?
5: I think the biggest change is something I learned from doing Waitress, which was, you know, I wrote all of the music for that show. So going into the show, I think my approach initially had been as the songwriter, and I had to learn, you know, a character is not, doesn't know what the end of the song is yet. <laughs> a character is in it moment to moment to moment. So every thought is a new idea and coming from somewhere and attached to the thought that had come before. So you have to, it's what I love about acting actually is it's a real meditation and sting present where you are just in this moment right now and then where did the bloom of the next thought come from and what does that lead you to and what are you connecting with on stage that is reminding you of something else you need to say. It's just that you're having to watch someone in real time go from A to B to C. Um, And as a songwriter, you know the agreement with the audience is that we all know I wrote it. We all know I know what's coming next. (laughs) It's been prepared. But as an actor... You have to sort of disappear into the journey and let your characters' discoveries be center stage.
3: You first performed the role of the baker's wife in an Encores production of Into the Woods. And just to let listeners know, Encores is this program in New York. It's more than a stage reading, but it's not a full production. It's more, it's a smaller thing. It's only a couple weeks um, of yeah. productions. And that. That show was so well-received. It went to Broadway, became a full show, and now has been nominated for Tony's. Was it a shock for you that this performance that was supposed to only last a few weeks became this huge Broadway experience for you?
5: Um, Yes, 1,000%. Um, I I had a whole year planned. I thought I was signing up for two weeks. And then, of course, the experience was just transcendent and... um, and then we got the opportunity to move to Broadway and actually really had to soul search because it was, it was such a sweet moment. I felt like, were we being greedy to want more because it wasn't exactly the same cast that moved on. And I was like, you know, we had this perfect little moment. It felt like lightning in a bottle. Are we being greedy by wanting to, you know, extend But essentially, it's what I love about theater is that every reinvention is a chance to find something new. And the new cast brought new kinds of um, interpretations and heart to the experience. And I'm so glad that I said yes. And then this Tony nomination is just a a marvel.
3: Well, do you prepare for something different if it's, you know, a kind of a two week thing? Like, do you think that made it? less precious or something um when you're um, preparing
5: for it i think what makes it less precious is that you're literally just like white knuckling through the whole thing (laughs) like you know essentially an encore's performance is supposed to be i mean this is sort of morphed and we've had internal conversations about this as well it's supposed to be that you you can show up and you're have the book and the score in front of you and it's a, a you know Essentially, supposed to be like a staged reading. Now, it has changed a lot over the years, and more and more people come in off book. I did not. I was one of the only ones who still needed my binder desperately because, for anyone who has sung Sondheim material, it is very intricate. It was my first Sondheim show. Um, and, And the show itself is very fast paced. The scenes are short. There's a lot of repetition. It's, you know, it's a maze. It's this very intricate braiding together of fairy tale characters. And it's the show itself is sort of this maze that you go into with these characters into the woods. And um I was lost, y'all. I have no idea what was happening. And then we're getting choreography, and I'm like, I don't know how to hold the bread basket and push this cart, and where does my binder go? Like, I was freaking out. So there was no room for preciousness. It was all about just logistical putting fires out. <laughs> so um, in a way, I think that the short process fed – Kind of something that got woven into this production, which was just very instinctual performances. We didn't have you know set pieces to lean on. It was really just about um, the nakedness and the sort of sacredness of that of of the material itself. this beautiful book by james lepine and and stephen sondheim and and speaking about Stephen, this is the first production that had been mounted since his passing, so there was also this other layer of of um reverence, I think, that went into the making of this show because it was very tender to make something without him.
3: Let's hear another song from the 2022 Broadway cast recording of Into the Woods. This is Brian Darcy James as the Baker and Sarah Borellis as the baker's wife singing the song It Takes Two.
4: You've changed. You're daring. You're different in the world. Sure, More sharing, you're getting us through the walls If you could see, you're not the man who started And much more open-hearted than I knew you to be
6: It takes two, I thought one was enough, it's not true It takes two of us You came through When the journey was rough It took you It took two of us It takes care It takes patience and fear and despair To change Though you swear to change You can tell if you do It takes two
4: You've changed You're thriving There's something about the world Just surviving Your blossoming in the woods At home I'd fear We'd stay the same forever And then out here Your passionate, charming, considerate, clever It takes
6: one to begin But then once you've begun It takes two of you It's no fun but what needs to be done you can do When there's two of you, if I dare It's because I'm becoming aware of us As a pair of us, each accepting a share Of what's there we changed, we're strangers I'm meeting you in the woods
3: Can you describe
5: where you grew up in California? Yes, I grew up in a little town called Eureka. It's kind of the biggest city in Humboldt County, so very, very northern California, about five hours north of San Francisco, right on the coast. Beautiful redwood forests. We're sort of known for our old-growth redwoods. And marijuana, if you've heard of that. So we're known for those two crops. And... uh, it was an amazing childhood. Actually, spent a lot of time outdoors. Um, you know, sang with my sisters. My family was really involved in theater, so I did a lot of um, participating and watching of community theater. Um, I had I struggled at school a little bit, and that's a big part of why I started writing. So um, I, I started writing songs when I was pretty young, probably about six or seven. Um, didn't share them for a very long time. But I think my my interest in being an observer was somewhat born out of feeling a little bit like an outsider. But it is one of the things I love about the artistic community is that I think everybody (laughs) relates to that on some level. We're just uh, a bunch of misfits, misfit toys who found each other.
3: What were you writing songs about when you were that young?
5: The first one I remember was about stars it was called star (laughs) sweeper and i'm pretty sure it was like a it was like a disney i probably just ripped off something from disney um but i yeah star sweeper star sweeper bring me a star
4: star sweeper star sweeper now and from far i will be
5: waiting through all of the years i will be waiting through gladness and tears so um I'm not, no copyright infringement intended, if that belongs to someone else. But that's the first song I remember writing in quotations. And it's like I have a little, you know, piece of paper that where I've written that out on. So that's the first song I remember writing. But I I wrote a lot about, you know, my crushes at school and um, just sort of searching for a place to put my thoughts and feelings and... Yeah, my they they became sort of glorified journal entries my songs at that age.
3: But you didn't perform them for anyone.
5: No, I tried it once in high school. I performed a song called Water Dancer and you know, I was listening to a lot of Tori Amos at the time and I'm not sure that I even really understood what she was talking about. I was so young and um not that sophisticated emotionally and so I think I wrote a song about a drowning water dancer and I performed it at my high school and nobody got it and I think they they applauded politely but clearly didn't get it and I was devastated and humiliated and I didn't play anything for anybody for a lot of years after that.
3: I read that you cried the day you got a record contract. Why was
5: that? Did you feel conflicted or was it fear? Uh, All of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm very fear-based in general. It's something I work on a lot in therapy and with medication. But um, what I realize now all these many years later is that I think I was always afraid that there was some essential part of myself that would be abandoned or lost if I got discovered got famous, uh, you know, moved out of the apartment I lived in, you know, there was a- any kind of change, I think represented some fear of abandoning some essential part of myself. I mean, I remember the first time I came to New York, I I had a meeting with my product manager, Scott Greer at the time at, at, at Epic Records, and I had done a photo shoot and we were sitting in his office and he was showing me these you know pages of photographs, these beautiful photographs, and talking about what the layout of the album could be and instead of any remote sense of joy, I was in sheer panic and overwhelm i i couldn't I almost couldn't get through the meeting. I was you know biting my lip to try not to cry, walked out of i think it you know five 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 Madison or whatever the address was at the time in the middle of midtown stepped outside the building and sat down on the curb and just cried, just total overwhelm, no fun, no excitement, no joy. I'm way too, grew up way too Catholic for that. I was just like, just complete guilt. I don't even know what I've done wrong, but I've already feel bad for it. And I, um, yeah, it's taken a lot of years to learn to enjoy sort of the fruits of my labor and to allow the fact that I get to work in music to be a really fun, joyful, thing that I get to celebrate and share. It's a blessing. I won the lottery and the only way to squander that those winnings is to, to not know how to enjoy it and to share it like generously.
3: Well, I want to play one of those early songs. This is your debut single, Love Song, which came out in 2007.
4: Head underwater And you tell me To breathe easy for
2: listening to the interview Fresh Air's Anne-Marie Baldonado recorded with Sarah Bareilles. Bareilles is nominated for a Tony for Best Performance by a Lead Actress in a Musical for her role in the revival of Into the Woods. The cast recording of the show won a Grammy. We'll hear more of the interview after a break and Kevin Whitehead will review a new album by Arturo O'Farrill. I'm Terry Gross and this is Fresh Air. You are
4: not what
0: From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu.
7: This election season, you can expect to hear a lot of news, some of it meaningful, much of it not. Give the Up First podcast 15 minutes, sometimes a little less, and we'll help you sort it out, what's going on around the world and at home. Three stories, 15 minutes, Up First, every day. Listen every morning, wherever you get your podcasts.
2: This is Fresh Air. I'm Terry Gross. Let's get back to our interview with singer, songwriter, and actor Sarah Bareilles. She's just received a Tony nomination for Best Performance by a Lead Actress in a Musical for her role in the revival of Into the Woods. The cast recording of the show won a Grammy. She wrote the songs for and starred in the musical Waitress... A film of a live production of the musical premieres next month at the Tribeca Film Festival. Bareilles also co-stars on the comedy series Girls 5 Eva, which will air its third season later this year on Netflix. She spoke with Fresh Air's Anne-Marie Baldonado. Uh,
3: You were asked to work on songs for a musical adaptation of the independent film Waitress. How did that project come to you, and did you know you wanted to do it right away?
5: I had reached out to um, my theater agent in New York, Jack Tantliff, about actually pursuing a a way to be on stage. So I actually did an audition for Into the Woods.
3: I read that, but you auditioned for Cinderella.
5: I auditioned for Cinderella for the production that went up in in Central Park. Um, And spoiler, I did not get that role. I auditioned and realized, boy, I was very green and had no real sense of how to approach that path. Um, And then Jack came to me with uh, waitress. I think um, Diane Paulus, our director, had had reached out, and they were looking for a composer. And I had a lunch with Diane. I had not seen the film at the time, and I was really unsure of. this was off my map. Like I had not ever considered taking on something like this. It felt impossible. So I I shared that with her. I was like, this feels impossible, but I'm happy to try. So let's just try and we'll see how it goes. And to be honest, I think for the first two years of working on this show, I kind of hated it. What about it? I, Oh, the tedium, the confusion, the swing and a miss, the the you know kind of the moving target of of trying to put the puzzle pieces together. Of maybe this is a song, maybe it's not a song. Maybe we move it around. Maybe it was. It felt so disorienting, but I was. I'm so stubborn and I'm so controlling about art <laughs> that I. I think I was a little bit like a dog with a dog toy and like once I had it, I kind of couldn't let go of it even though I was a little bit miserable for the first two years and then I fell madly, deeply, devotionally in love. It is the the love of my artistic life. It's changed everything about me, everything about my life, my relationships, my my career, waitress is the best thing that ever happened to me and um i'm so grateful that i was that naive and said yes to doing something that i didn't know how to do um and the song she used to be mine actually was the very first song that i wrote for the show and that was a turning point for me with that of of realizing that i could kind of find my way in
3: well let's hear um that song from Waitress She Used to Be Mine and let's remember that you were nominated for Tony for Best Original Score for writing the music for this show um, we'll hear your version of the song that you released as a record called What's Inside Songs from Waitress um, so studio renditions of the songs from the musical and
4: It's not what I asked for Sometimes like. Just slips in through a back door And carves out a person And makes you believe it's all true And now I've got you and you're not what I asked for If I'm honest, I know I will The girl
3: Sarah Bareilles singing She Used to Be Mine from the musical Waitress. Now, you're very public about being anxious and writing your music from a vulnerable place. Why is it important for you to talk about it? Well, I don't
5: I'm, I wasn't really born with a poker face, so I don't I don't kind of shield my emotions very well. Um and nothing is harder on me than trying to pretend I'm something I'm not. And so my anxiety is a very true part of me. And I will say for those listening who struggle with anxiety, um, with the help of meditation, therapy, and quite newly medication, um, I take Lexapro, and um, I started that very fearfully. Didn't want to, never wanted to be on medication my whole life. Was certain I would never try it. Didn't, not interested at all. And then really got to like the bottom of the well, and couldn't find it. After the pandemic, I think the the magnitude of the grief and the magnitude of the loss and fear and political discord and disappointment in how so many things were handled just on on a large scale and then just interpersonally I couldn't pull up and I tried Lexapro for the first time and it is a game changer it has been a game changer for me and um you know in terms of quality of life and capacity to hold uncomfortable feelings um it's a much better way to walk through the world
3: was part of your hesitation to start medication, like were any of your reservations artistic? Like did you feel like you weren't sure you could access your feelings in the same way um, when you were percent. writing?
5: Yes, I was scared that I would get sort of pulled farther away from myself. You know, my melancholy is a big part of of my motivation as a writer seeing sadness and wanting to translate and articulate it or observing a tenderness in some situation or in a person I see Um, and I was afraid that being on medication that something would get subdued or something would get suppressed or some um, my feelings would just feel muted or like there was a blanket over them or I, I had all these ideas about what it would feel like to be on medication without having tried it. And I think the thing that I tell people who are questioning whether or not to do it and some, you know, I got lucky. I, it was my first try that I actually started to feel better. And that is not the path for a lot of people. And I know it can be a really frustrating and scary time. Um, but you know, the possibility that you actually could get closer to yourself. And I feel, you know, it was mythology to believe that that sadness was somehow my source material. It's actually, it's a part of it. But when, when the sadness starts to become the North star or like the, the organizing principle, that's out of balance. That's not, that's not telling the truth. That's actually telling a lie. My guest is actor,
3: singer, and songwriter Sarah Bareilles. She just received a Tony nomination for Best Performance by a Lead Actress in a Musical for her role in the revival of Into the Woods. She wrote the songs for the musical Waitress and starred in the show. A film version of the musical is premiering next month at the Tribeca Film Festival. More after a break. This is Fresh Air.
0: This message comes from Apple Card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase.
2: Support for this podcast comes from the Neubauer Family Foundation, supporting WHYY's fresh air and its commitment to sharing ideas and encouraging meaningful conversation.
5: What does it mean to be Black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, you'll hear it means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever
3: you
1: get your podcasts.
3: This is Fresh Air. I'm Anne-Marie Baldonado, back with singer, songwriter, and actress Sarah Bareilles. She's nominated for a Tony for Best Performance by a Lead Actress in a Musical for her role in the revival of Into the Woods. She wrote the songs for and starred in the musical Waitress. She also stars in the sitcom Girls 5 Eva, which airs its third season this year. Now, I want to ask you about one of your other projects. You star in the comedy Girls 5 Eva. Are you still filming The third season, or have you We just finished. finished. We just just wrapped our third
5: season. Yeah, thank you. (laughs)
3: Now, the show is about a group of women who were a girl group from the late 90s, early aughts. They had one hit, and because that hit was sampled, they have this second chance to make it. And now they're in their 40s. Your character, Dawn, is married and has a son. You're the most level-headed, maybe. Um, And it's a struggle to... For them to deal with their regular lives and try to enter the music business, which is still sexist, and now it's ages two. Um, Now, this was your first TV show, first outright comedy, and you're so funny in this. How did you become
5: a part of this show? I mean, it's it sounds like a joke when I say it. It's like and the impossible thing happened, and Tina Fey called me and was <laughs> like, do you— can we do this show? I mean, it. it like, Tina had come. They had Mean Girls on Broadway at the time, and she came and saw Waitress when I was in the role of Jenna. And um, so she asked me if I would come on board, and it felt like um, it was like a dream.
3: Let me play a clip from the first season of this show. The group is trying to get a pop songwriter, a hitmaker, who's actually played by Stephen Colbert, to write them a pop song for their comeback. The song he writes for them is about being side pieces and your character Dawn and Gloria who's played by Paula Pell don't want to sing it you're arguing with the other members of the group played by Renee Elise Goldberry and Busy Phillips who want to do the song because they think it's like the songs that the group did in the 90s Um, and in this scene there is a flashback that includes snippets of those earlier songs
5: I don't know about that song what? thank you do we really want to call ourselves side pieces for life?
1: Oh, right, because it should be side pieces for life. I mean, my nieces shouldn't aspire to be side pieces. They are built to be farmers. I thought Alpha was going to
5: write us a fun song, like our old stuff. Are you kidding? That song is exactly like our old stuff.
8: Because <laughs> our eyes are so much blue.
5: i never noticed this. Do earworms bore holes in your brain? We performed Dream Girlfriends last week. There's a whole verse about how we agree that female stand-ups are a drag.
2: Oh my God, are we part of the problem? Did we cause Hillary to
5: lose Pennsylvania? Oh, grow up. This is pop music, not Vermont Public Radio. We were no longer
3: than anyone else. Britney, I'm a slave for you Destiny's Child catered to you ABBA, Dancing Queen was only 17 Wait,
5: I get why we sang this stuff as teenagers But we have adult ear holes now Don't mess this up for me I have a lot riding on this group And I don't I'm putting off having a second baby for this group So what do you want?
4: A song that's all We are always doctors
7: You're undermining your point Because that sounds freaking amazing
3: That's a scene from the show Girls 5, Eva. I think what's great about this show is how it pokes fun at the music industry and how it treats women back both back then and treats them now. Are there any stories or plot points in the show that remind you of things that you went through when you were starting out or things that people said to you?
5: Oh, my gosh, yes. I mean, in fact, this is – I've had – you know this is a again a heightened version of reality but i've had meetings with producers that were not so dissimilar to this i had a meeting with a producer who was trying to pitch me a song he's like you're young you want to just you want to have fun what about a song like just have fun and this is before i'd written love songs this is this is i am so deathly serious about my music at this point like not an ounce of me was having fun with any of it. And it was so tone deaf to just even me being in the room and he loved the idea so much. He actually got up and left the room and went to go make the song in the other room. And I was left sitting there in his like little studio living room and and just like in shock and didn't know what to do with myself. I mean, I think this sense of like women being sort of like invisible or side pieces, you know, I think that's, that's real there were so many times in my career that I was pounding my fists on the table and stomping and trying to be heard and being told almost like my opinion wasn't even like I wasn't even making noise in the room. And meanwhile, I'm like, these are my songs. These are my songs. No one is going to know better than me. And, uh, you know, I think, I think people probably still come up against that these days. You've said that back at the start of
3: your career, you couldn't relate to other pop stars. What is it like? You're kind of playing a pop star in Girls by Baba, you know, with choreography and everything.
5: What is that like? You know, it's funny is that I think I'm getting a chance to relive all the reasons I didn't relate to it's about confidence. Like, I didn't have the confidence then, and I almost kind of don't have the confidence now. Like, we had a moment on on set this, this year where we were filming a flashback, and we were just doing... We weren't even filming a flashback. We were taking still photos that were going to go up on a poster of somebody's bedroom. And I got put in all this, um, you know, like kind of skimpy black... Uh, stage wear, like flashy little black dress that I was in tears. I, I didn't, I've, I've had incredible body dysmorphia my whole life partially from being teased as a kid and um, being told I was fat and being told I was ugly and all this stuff. So all that stuff like still very much lives in my body and in my mind And in a way, this show is giving me an opportunity to kind of try to heal a little bit of that in myself, where we get to wear ridiculous things. And yes, I might cry on set sometimes. But honestly, if you knew the four of us, we're always crying. And it's the most delicious, amazing cast of women. We're just, we're very, very, very close friends at this point.
3: Well, Sarah Bareilles, congratulations on the Tony nomination. And thanks for
5: your time. Thank you so much. It's such a lovely interview, and you're just a delight.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it. Sarah Bareilles is nominated for a Tony for Best Performance by a Lead Actress in a Musical for her role in the Broadway revival of Into the Woods, a film of the live production of her musical Waitress, premieres at the Tribeca Film Festival next month. She co-stars in the series Girls 5 Eva. Season 3 premieres on Netflix later this year. Coming up, jazz critic Kevin Whitehead reviews Arturo O'Farrell's new album, Legacies, about intersections of jazz and Latin Caribbean musics that reach back nearly a century. This is Fresh Air. Support for NPR and the following message
1: come from Proven Winners Color Choice Shrubs. Their flowering shrubs and evergreens are trialed and tested by expert horticulturists for 8 to 10 years to ensure a beautiful, high-performance display in your landscape or garden. And because the team at Proven Winners Color Choice Shrubs is passionate about gardening, they've put together resources to help you get started with garden projects big and small. For example, did you know that hydrangea flower buds form on branches the year before they bloom? With guides like Hydrangeas Demystified, you can learn from the experts and get your questions answered on hydrangea pruning, watering, reblooming, and more. Proven Winners Color Choice shrubs are available in the distinctive white containers at garden centers nationwide, including over 50 varieties of hydrangeas. Learn more at provenwinnerscolorchoice.com slash NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Dignity Memorial. When your celebration of life is prepaid today, your family is protected tomorrow. Planning ahead is truly one of the best gifts you can give your family.
0: Join futurist Ari Wallach on a journey around the world as he meets the brilliant minds and brave pioneers remaking people's futures for generations to come. A brief history of the future. Stream now on PBS and the PBS app.
2: This is Fresh Air. Cuban-Mexican-American musician Arturo O'Farrell has led New York's acclaimed Afro-Latin jazz orchestra for two decades. Before that, he'd run the Latin big band of his composer father, Chico O'Farrell. Back when Arturo started out, he just wanted to be a jazz pianist. Jazz critic Kevin Whitehead says his new album puts piano in the foreground.
7: Arturo O'Farrell on the 1935 tune Obsession, written by the great Puerto Rican bolero composer Pedro Flores while he was living in New York. On one level, O'Farrell's new trio and solo album Legacies is about intersections of jazz and Latin Caribbean musics that reach back nearly a century. Like so many before him, the piano steers between formal Cuban dance syncopations and jazz's spontaneous liberties with a beat. Arturo O'Farrell, with his son Zach O'Farrell on drums, who, like his father, caught the jazz bug early. When Arturo was 19, composer Carla Bley heard him playing a bar gig and drafted him into her 1980s big band. He plays one of her elegantly simple ballads from that period. Its Norwegian title translates as Development Song. shows commendable restraint there, but he goes the other way, playing felonious Monk's Well You Needn't as a solo. Monk was a less-is-more type guy, but his interpreters don't have to be. O'Farrell is an orchestra leader. He likes big gestures and a busy sound, but sometimes he'll get so swept up in the moment he forgets to come up for air. Even non-horn players need to take breath pauses. Arturo O'Farrill balances freedom and discipline, covering a 1951 tune where pianist Bud Powell made his Afro-Cuban influences clear, from Max Roach's cowbell to its Spanish title, Un Poco Loco. O'Farrill really flies on his version. All that history he knows doesn't weigh him down. Liani Mateo is on bass. She also plays in Arturo's Afro-Latin Jazz Orchestra. On the solo pieces, Arturo O'Farrell nods to Jelly Roll Morton, who encouraged Latin influences in jazz, and hints at limber early jazz stride piano. One of the solo ballads is Pure Emotion by Arturo's bandleader father, Chico O'Farrell. So, counting drummer Zach, three generations of O'Farrell's are represented on the album Legacies, reminding us what tradition is at heart. Our ongoing conversation with those who came before us and those who come after.
2: Kevin Whitehead is the author of the book, Play the Way You Feel, the essential guide to jazz stories on film. He reviewed Legacies, the new album by Arturo O'Farrell. If you'd like to catch up on fresh air interviews you missed, like this week's interviews with actor Joel Edgerton, humorist Samantha Irby, and historian Matthew Dalek, author of a new book about how the extremist group, the John Birch Society, radicalized the American right, check out our podcast. You'll find lots of fresh air interviews. And just a reminder that you can subscribe to our free newsletter written by two of our producers. It's a fun read with a behind-the-scenes look at our show, staff recommendations, and more. It will arrive in your email every Saturday morning. You can subscribe at freshair.npr.org. Fresh Air's executive producer is Danny Miller. Our technical director is Audrey Bentham. Our engineer today is Adam Staniszewski. Our interviews and reviews are produced and edited by Amy Sallett, Phyllis Myers, Roberta Shurok, Sam Brigger, Lauren Krenzel, Heidi Simon, Anne-Marie Teresa Madden, Seth Kelly, and Susan Yakundi. Our digital media producer is Molly C.V. Nesper. Thea Challoner directed today's show. Fresh Air's co-host is Tanya Mosley. I'm Terry Gross.
0: This message comes from Schwab. It's easy to invest in ideas you believe in with Schwab Investing Themes, like online music and videos, artificial intelligence, and electric vehicles. Choose from over 40 customizable themes. More at schwab.com.
1: Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Online. Is your child asking questions on their homework you don't feel equipped to answer? IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. One subscription gets you everything. One site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And NPR listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash NPR.